Hello and welcome to the Generation Zennial Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keith. Alongside with me is Vinny, one of my friends from college. And we created this new podcast, the Generation Zennial Podcast, to talk about our viewpoints coming from the Zennial generation. That is that very sliver of time right at the end of Generation X, but before the Jordan Millennials. Uh, so we have the old school mentality of Gen Xers, but we have grown up with technology our entire lives, immersed in pop culture. And that's what we want to talk about is our experience and how we see the world today and, and how we can make a change for the world to be better. And Vinny, let's, let's hear some about yourself as well. Yeah. Hey Keith, how you doing? Um, it's, it's good to start this podcast with you. I think this is going to be a, a very interesting uh, experience for the both of us. Um, I like, I like your intro about uh, what, you know, what the zillennial means. Um, you know, that, 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 like you said, that small, that small time frame there where I think we have an interesting viewpoint of the world as far as um, how technology has affected our lives. Um, a little background on me, I am an athletic trainer, uh, which is a, basically someone who does sports medicine. Um, currently unemployed right now because sports are kind of on the downturn because of the coronavirus, but I am also a professional wrestling referee. I've been doing that now for 17 years on the independent level. So I have a little bit of background in that when we'll be talking about wrestling in the podcast a little bit later. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's good to be here. I, 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 this is, should be a, a fun experience for the both of us. Just sit here and talk about what's going on in the world. And, and like I said, I hope the, hope the listeners will, uh, will like it. And yeah, and, and I should say that I am not a wrestling referee, but I have seen you work in person. And I, I'm also a wrestling fan as well. And, and I currently work as a studio engineer for a university and also teach media production. Uh, it's what I do. Um, I'm married to a physical therapist, so I'm all aware of the athletic training perspectives of things and, and that line of science as well. And thankfully I am still employed because uh, we do not, my part end of the university did not get canned. Although our entire athletic communication department did get canned, unfortunately, during this pandemic, because like you said, sports are not happening and that's affecting a lot of us. Yeah. My wife is a math teacher for a local high school. So um, she has a teaching background. So we kind of have similar, but different like spouse occupations as well. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we both run parallel in opposite like she's, ways. She's a teacher. You're a teacher. You don't teach the same things. I'm in sports medicine, your wife's in physical medicine, but we don't do the same things. So, <laughs> but so it's like similar, parallel, similar, but same. Similar, similar, but different. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. So we have some uh, topics we're going to talk, we're going to touch on uh, for this, for this edition of generation Zillennial. That's another thing we differ on. I pronounce Zillennial, Zillennial. You pronounce it. Zennial. Zennial. So whatever you like, write in. Write, tomato, write tomato. Comment. Yeah. Where's write the, your, write your the comments. Votes. We want to see how we're going to pronounce generation Zillennial or generation Zennial. So, um, yeah, we have a few topics that we're going to touch on today. So uh, let's get started. So I just want to know, we are recording this on October 9th. So it is a couple of days after the debate. We The dust has settled. The fly is home uh, with his family now uh, after surviving Mike Pence's hair. The vice president, yeah, excuse me, the vice presidential debate. What are your first thoughts about that? Well, it definitely wasn't as exciting as the um, presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I, not that that was to be expected, right? Um, Mike Pence is, you know, he's a classic, more, I shouldn't say he's a classic politician, but he's definitely more of a classic politician than Donald Trump is. 
um, you know, he basically avoided questions that he didn't want an answer. And when he couldn't answer a question, he attacked his opponent, which is, you know, what you do in these debates. Right. Um, Kamala Harris, I thought did a decent job. Um, she's kind of at a disadvantage sometimes, I think being a, a, a black woman because people don't perceive um, black women as someone that can be as authoritarian as like a Mike Pence can. So I think people kind of push back on her for being a, abrasive. I've seen that being said. Uh, that's that's a bit ridiculous when you compare him to, to compare her to what Donald Trump did a week well a week before. But uh, that's kind of what you have to deal with sometimes. And um, I thought she did a decent job. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I think that goes, you know, to go off your comment about Kamala Harris, there's prevailing, it's, it's not just her, it's prevailing always against, you know, whenever a woman is assertive in the same way that a man is assertive, then they're, they're portrayed in an ugly light. You know, if a, man, if a man is assertive, oh, they're, they're assertive. They know what they want. If a woman is assertive, oh, they're, they're not to be trifled with. They're very mean. Um, it's a very big double standard in our society where a man can be go out there and act and bang on the bully pulpit all he wants and people praise that. And then if a woman does the exact same thing, says the exact same words, they're considered threatening and 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 people are like, oh, well, she must be that time of the month kind of sta- statements and things like that. And like just uh, yesterday morning, he called her a monster. Trump, Trump referred to Kamala Harris as the monster on the stage. And, uh, you know, listening to NPR politics talking about it, they, you know, these are terms that he only uses against women um, calling another woman, a dog, calling her a monster. It's, it's very much demeaning and it is a very much sexist approach to it. And I think for my take, you know, Kamala did a great job of writing that line of like, I'm going to be assertive without, you know, crossing that line. So no, she's, she didn't give anyone fuel to stoke that fire. She, well, here's the- she held herself back as much as possible. Um, and, and, you know, she's a seasoned attorney. She knows how to do that kind of stuff. And I think she did a great job at it. Yeah, well, here's the problem with conservatives in general is that it, does, it doesn't matter what she, she actually does or tries to hold back. And this is where, this is where liberals tend to fail is that they, they do hold back. They want to, they want to play by the, by the, by the rules. They want to, you know, present themselves and, and it doesn't matter because conservatives are just going to attack them anyway. So, um, you know, I would, I would have loved to see her come out and just been like, will will you answer a question? Like, uh, you know, get it, get after Biden a little more, you know, like, like, but like you said, coming, you know, from a woman point of view, um, they, they aren't viewed the same as the men would be on that stage. And I Mm -hmm. think that's doubly so for a black woman. Um, I think Obama had a lot of those same problems being a black man that he couldn't come off and as, as, you know, tough and abrasive as he sometimes should have been. Um, Cause then and, he would have been uppity. Right. Right. And then, and then, you know, you get the double standard where you're either going to be called an uppity or, you know, derogatory for being, for being angry basically. And, or you're going to seem weak. <laughs> right. So you can't you can't win um mm-hmm. but yeah you know kamala did you know push that line a little bit um you know a lot of people just like to like little you know i'm speaking now like that type of that type of language um 
was kind of effective. But at the same time, like I would have, I would have loved to see her push back a little bit harder on Mike Pence's just evading questions left and right. Because, um, you know, I was just watching the debate, rewatching it again, and he really just every time he didn't want to answer a question would just talk about the American people or talk about how oh. Biden wants to raise taxes on everybody or. My one of my one of my least favorite parts of the debate was definitely when they both went both went on about how much they love fracking because apparently oh. they both they both love fracking. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I go go back to your first thing that you said there about the American people. Like that was the first thing my wife and I were like, we're asking a question about Trump's response. It wasn't about the American people's response. This has nothing. Like, yes, the American people are doing a great job, but it's not our job to lead. And the question it wasn't about what the American people are doing. It's about what the presidency and the White House and the leadership is doing for the pandemic. Right, but he couldn't and answer that. Yeah, it's like, and it was just like, well, we're going to get through this because the American people are strong. Thank you for props. I appreciate that. But what are you doing to help me? That's the question. Um, well, he, I, couldn't, I, he, he can't answer it, right? He, he literally yeah. can't. He, yeah, we can't because they're he not doing He doesn't have an answer. As, as one meme put it, like, here we are six months into a pandemic and the leader of the task force is behind two, she, two layers of plexiglass. Like the, the optics of that, right. like he, he's the tech quote unquote leader of the pandemic task force. And we had to put precautions in place because you failed. Well, um, you know, that, that was, um, <laughs> that was a move by the Democrats. That was a move by the Democrats. I think that was moved by the, the, um, the campaign. Um, although the 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 way the plastic glass i'm not sure if that plastic glass didn't actually exactly i was like it's more it's more theater uh it's it's a far theater is political theater it's like you you want to do something have fans that are blowing it away from each person because you you have have fans that blow it off to the side of the stage instead of at each other or whatever it is um or you have the air filters there but make them visible if you really want to do that kind of thing and make it known that you're doing it put the air filters out there or Here's my question. You, have, you had a plexiglass between the two candidates, but what about the moderator? There's nothing protecting yeah. the moderator at all. I mean, she's, pretty far away. she's pretty far away. but Yeah, but it, you know, there's been studies that show 15 feet is possible. Yeah. And you're talking about sitting there for an hour and a half and they're spewing you know, their nonsense. It, it, you know, particles are going to travel and she's within that range of like, if I sit there long enough, this is not a good position to be in. Luckily, it's a big open air space, so hopefully the the ventilation, the HVAC system is strong enough to cycle that air through, and 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 nothing comes of it. But you know, that's where I look right. at. That's you also got to remember that Mike Mike Pence was definitely <laughs> he's definitely possibly like that's oh, a word, God. but he was you know he he was he was in close proximity to a lot of people who have tested positive for coronavirus lately. Well, I think that is the latest thing is that he uh, he's canceled an event for today or this weekend. Um, they're not, he's not traveling. So why, why wouldn't he travel all of a sudden? You know, what's, that's kind of a red flag. I mean, I know, I know people are like zooming in, like, look, always oh, got pink eye. I'm like, I don't want to be like super, like, I, w- I want to step back. I don't want to be the person like, I'm going to turn into, every you single turn to QAnon. Even ABC was doing it. I'm what we watched on ABC and they're zooming in on Mike Pence's eyes and showing how bloodshot they were. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he took a little cocaine beforehand. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he does. That's probably, probably, that's probably more possible. I mean, yeah, he did a little blow. I mean, now, now we just started the reveal. Make Pence pump does him, blow. Pump, him, pump himself up for the, <laughs> pump himself up for the debate. Yeah, you know? maybe he's got. Maybe he's part of a fight club that we don't know about. I don't know. Uh, wouldn't that be interesting? Pence is actually part of a fight club. 
I would like to see that actually. That's <laughs> Mike Pence Fight Club. I'm on. I'm on top. Uh, yeah, I'm on board for that. That's, you're you're that's all in. That's fight. something I would like to see. I would. I want to actually be the first guy to fight. I'll jump in the ring. <laughs> you you I'll, might I also will, be the last. I will guy. fight. I will fight Mike Pence. He might be a really good fighter. I might get my my ass kicked. But that's true. I, he's I like he's like that guy in the martial arts movies that's, that doesn't fight the entire fight. movie until the end. And all of a sudden, someone tries to take him out, and he just like demolishes him with like, one, like finger. One, one finger. One finger. Like two finger. Knocks punch. my soul. Knocks my soul out. Oh, he does uh, the five finger punch, and you take five steps and you die. Um, yeah. Yeah, it could happen. I take that chance. Little little Kill Bill reference there. Um, any chance? Any chance I get for references, I'll I will take it. I mean, the yeah. one there is one question that neither one of them answered, um, and is the transfer of power question uh, about. You know, have you talked with the the president or the candidate about like if they become ill, you know, whatever? I mean, I get why they didn't answer because it's it's a it's a weird thing to have to answer. First of all, there are provisions within the Constitution that cover that kind of thing. I thought it was a weird question. Like, what? It was a weird question. Yeah, it's it's totally like where I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, You walk up to Joe Biden and say, "Joe, I know you might die. Just think, you're 78. (laughs) I, I I know you're old." So what? Anything you want me to do if you die? Like I don't. What, like what do you? What do you? you know, what are you doing there? Like, it's, what's it's the a, weird? It's, it happens. It's a weird it's, question. There's a whole process that's already laid out in our documentation that takes care yeah. of that. Um, I mean, historically speaking, there are several presidents. If you look back in history, that hid illnesses um, yes. from from the public and everything. For most of them, were benign though. You know, um, you know, I I forgot which where I watched it, but they they put a whole supercut of all these together. You know. Uh, Kennedy, um, no, sorry. Start with Reagan. He lost a lot more blood and was a lot more in danger of dying after being shot than they let on initially. Um, Kennedy apparently was on a cocktail of medications because he had a disease that he didn't admit to having. And it was the only way he was able to function. Um, obviously everyone knows FDR was in a wheelchair, but that didn't affect his mental capacity. Just at the time, you didn't want to show him in a wheelchair because they wanted to uh, portray him as weak. And there was actually the secret service used to go up to photographers and take their camera and take the film out of the cameras. If they saw them in the wheelchair, I believe that um, it's something you could not do today. Cause it'd be instantly on Facebook. As soon as you take the picture. Right. Uh, I think you don't, you don't have to develop this stuff. I think the most um, devastating one in, in our history is uh, Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, because he had a stroke that was never talked about. They hit him. He was hidden in the white house his wife was practically running the country for uh, almost a year, year and a half. And I made the argument the other day that because of that, we have, you know, because Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, he did not take part in the peace talks after world war one. And going into that beforehand, he was staunchly against punishing Germany in the way that the rest of Europe wanted to punch, punish Germany. And because he wasn't there to have a voice at the table because he had, he had the Spanish flu. He had suffered a stroke. You know, he's not the same person anymore. And he wasn't there and he wasn't strong enough to do it. You know, Europe now punishes Germany. And look what happened two decades later. Is Woodrow Wilson's stroke responsible for World War II? That's that's my... Uh, that's the hot take. That's my hot take. You know, That is a spicy take, Keith. You know, you, one, one thing can change in history and a lot of things happen, especially when you're talking about a, power, a, a leader of a nation that makes a decision that is can have repercussions for decades to come years to come centuries to come um totally i know we totally got off topic on that but I, I, it's been on my head all week i don't know why um that's that's what we're here for though we're here to, to think we're about. here to talk about what's what's on our on our minds 
and and spread and spread our message and like i said and hopefully people like our message i hope so um is is the is the zenial viewpoint we are we are definitely you know i I, and i don't know how great would it be if we got to the point where we had like people calling in (laughs) well we have taught and like talking to us that that's 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 i think that's my goal oh man collins we gotta screen those babies I might get let some QAnon people coming in. I'm like, oh. let, them all, let, let them all in. We'll, we'll be the free marketplace of ideas. Well, we have a mute button, so it's okay. That is true. Speaking of we mute can, buttons. We can always drop people. Speaking of mute buttons, let's talk about the possibly, maybe not happening next presidential debate. Um, and yeah, let's, let's because Trump is like, oh, all uh, Trump and COVID. I can't, and- do it, I can't do it virtually. I don't, I don't know why I can't do it virtually. I really don't understand his reasoning on that um other than the fact that he thinks he won't do as well virtually um, well he doesn't want it. he and you know, they actually i heard a clip of it saying it this was from fox business yesterday talking about i think it was business it's one of the fox shows he called into like five thousand of them because um, he well, you know he's obviously sick at home so he can't do anything else so he's just watching fox and calling in when he wants to talk about something and fox just says okay here's the microphone you can talk and say whatever you want well, let's be honest like i don't I, I think if any uh network it's like the president's on the phone. He wants to talk. Be like, but I'm on. <laughs> you know. But also, most presidents have enough of a staff around them to say, no, that's a bad idea. Oh um, yeah, no, he, Trump doesn't he, listen to it. Trump he, doesn't listen to ideas. I think we know that. No. He, he just has yes men around him, and if you don't agree says, with him, he gets rid of you. Well, you get fired. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you're fired. Um. So Trump. Uh. Yeah. The, the the commission for elections, which is a nonpartisan commission, I want to reiterate that they're nonpartisan. Um, so it's not Democrat or Republican that's making this decision. It's a it's a you know commission that's been around for decades. Was going to convert the what was already set to be a town hall debate because that's always the second one's usually a town hall debate was going to be virtual. They're going to be in their own separate locations, and then there was going to be an audience in another location with the moderator to, to ask the questions. And and I think this is what happened. This is this is my theory is that you know Trump wakes up in the morning, turns on Fox News sees what that that was and immediately gets his speed dial out and calls them in and is like, I'm not going to do this. How terrible is this? But then he, you know, there there is a quote that he doesn't want them to have the mute button. He doesn't want to be shut up. He wants to be able to control the conversation. It's easier to be muted virtually than it is if they were. uh... Right. And even if you were in the town, you know, so if you, even if you were in the same location, you know, remember last town hall where he was creepily standing behind Hillary Clinton as she's speaking. You yes. Know, those optics are just, they're, they're burned in my brain. Um, and even if you're in the same location, you know, just because you mute a person doesn't mean you're not still a disruption. If you have two people in the same location, especially town hall, they're down low, people are up in bleachers around and it's not a large room, relatively speaking. And Generally speaking, if you have a good voice, you can, without, if you weren't broadcasting it, you could talk to those people without any amplification or minimal amplification. So just because his microphone is muted, we at home might not be hearing everything, but it doesn't mean the people there aren't hearing it. Doesn't mean it's not distracting towards the other candidate. You know, so Biden might be talking and Trump's over here off camera, but he's still saying things and he can be heard by Biden, by the people inside. And it's still a distraction. I mean, Trump's still loud. The Joe, Joe Biden's mic will probably pick it up. That too, you know, depending on how we have the <laughs> mic set up. You'll, you'll hear Trump in the background just like, no, you're going to raise taxes on everybody and and 
and ban fracking and the, the, the economy and you the swine flu. <laughs> oh God, the done. swine flu. Oh my God, the yes. swine flu thing. Oh, yes. that, that was like an apples and oranges example. Yes. If, if the swine flu was as deadly, well, it's not as deadly. That's why they didn't treat it the same way. We didn't need to shut everyone down because the swine flu doesn't kill as many people as the um, coronavirus does. Yeah, let's not forget when Ebola was a thing, uh, the Obama administration was you know, highly criticized by the right for when one doctor came back and they said, you have to isolate for two weeks. And they, they put this person in a bubble, like literally an isolation room. And it was a big deal. Like, oh, how dare you do this? And it was one person that was in the Ebola hot zone in Africa. And as they came back, they said, you need to isolate. And the Obama administration was, you know, heavily criticized at the time for that. Um, even by the person that was being isolated. And, and now you're skipping back to an earlier epidemic with the H1N1 and saying, oh, what a horrible job you did. All these people were infected. Yeah, they were infected, but you know how many people died? It was like you said. It's, it was nowhere nearly as deadly as COVID is. Right. It's just. It's not as deadly as a disease. You don't have to take the same precautions. Like yeah, you should try not to get the swine flu. Right. It's better off if you didn't have the swine flu. But I mean, <clears throat> how many people were infected by the swine flu? Totally like six, 60 million or something like that. Yeah, it was a lot. So sixty seven yeah. million, I think they said. But. The deaths that were equal. But like 15,000 people, right? I think it was like 15,000 yeah. or less. Yeah, you know, I mean, actually, right now we're, my neighbor's right now son we're looking at what? 20, over over 200,000 yeah. people dead right now from the coronavirus. Was it 212? I think it was the last number I saw. And it's it's constantly rising every single day. I mean, Connecticut, yeah. we, were, we were doing great in Connecticut handling cases. And in the last month, I've seen hospitalizations double again, you know, we were down to the 50 hospitalizations. We were down to 50 people in the hospital and now we're back up to like 120 as of this morning. Yeah. It's well, it's, you know, it's that, it's that second wave. Um, you just, once things start to reopen, it seems like, it seems like cases start to go back up. It's, it's happening in Europe right now. It's happening across the country here. Um, New York is starting to see a little bit of an increase. You're starting to open schools back up. Um, restaurants are starting to get a, get a little bit more crowded. And, and you're, you know, you're seeing increases. Um, I think, you know, I, Governor Cuomo, I have a lot to say about, he's not my favorite governor in the world, but I think he's done a decent job handling the coronavirus. I know a lot of people are upset about his, his shutdowns and his, his being tough on restaurants and bars and his, his rules about, you know, if you can go out to eat, but you can't go out, to, you can't go out and hang out and have drinks, but he's just, he's listening to the science and the science says that, you know, the coronavirus gets spread when you hang around in a place for a long period of time. And right. if you're sitting around in a bar drinking, it's, that's what you're, you're hanging around for a long period of time. If you go out to dinner, you know, you go out, you get something to eat, you leave. Right. Right. There is you're a lot. It's a lot easier to separate, be separate from people. Um, it's a lot less social, right? You're just with a small group of people and you're not, you know, it's, it's reducing the spread and that's. But even that, you know, what you think about most restaurants that you go to think about, you know, low ceilings and, you know, tight areas, just because you're at your own table doesn't mean you're not mixing that those air particles with the people around you which is what, what always concerns me. It's like, if, if you bring restaurants up to 50 or 75% capacity, you know, that's a lot of breathing that's going on. And when you're eating, you're not wearing your mask. So there's a lot sure. of stuff 
going around and I don't think all these restaurants went around and retrofitted their HVAC systems to have UV filters in them and things like that. So what, what's, it kind of scares me. Like we're, we're in Connecticut about to hit phase three reopening, which means, you know, venues and things like that are going to be open at a certain capacity. And um, I am I'm honestly concerned, especially because it's all, we're also entering the fall at the same time that phase three is opening. So you're going to a season where the, you have the flu season coming up, and we're opening more people, letting more people in. And people, you know, they see that the, the problem is we have a large pop, part of the population, I think, sees reopening. Oh, oh, for reopening, it's not as big of a threat anymore. And they they let their guard down. They're more laxed about it. And, you know, maybe they don't care about their mask as much or they're going to be a little closer. Or they're doing more touching with each other than they should be doing. And and then that's, that's where I get concerned. It's like, okay, now just because we're opening more doesn't mean all the other precautions just drop away all of a sudden. And I don't know, I, I still have no desire to go out to a restaurant and eat. Um, I, I say this all the time. Cause I just, it has right now, it has no appeal to me. Um, Cause I, I don't feel safe in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't blame you for that. Um, I think you gotta still think of it as it's still a virus, right? It's still, there's still ways to transmit it. And there's still ways to protect yourself. So, you know, you gotta, the risk the risk is always there but at the same time you need to realize that as long as you're are staying away from people not having people breathe on you not you know making sure you wash your hands properly making sure your hands your hand sanitizing making sure that if you know you're in public you're not touching your face or your mouth um those those type of things and you know you should you should be safe like i don't want to say it shouldn't be cause for alarm because it, it does seem like it's very easily sp- spread Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's still a virus. I, the thing with the coronavirus I'm finding is that the people are taking it either not serious enough or way too seriously. Agreed. So, and where do you, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, health, I'm a health professional, right? I'm, I'm an athletic trainer. So my, <laughs> my thinking is err on the side of caution. So I don't, I'm not going to blame people for like saying that they, they, they don't want to be in, crowded places right it's, that makes a hundred that makes a ton of sense because if you're gonna you know always err on the side of caution is basically what i'm trying to say i i agree with you 100 100 especially because you know if you're uncomfortable with it and then you go out and try to go into that situation now you're not only are you uncomfortable now your anxiety is up um because you're thinking about too many things and just if if you're in that situation you know what it's not the time to go and test your anxiety level um it's not worth it to me um for that either mental health wise you know, you got, you got to keep your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And, and I don't know, I, I see people struggle with it. We struggle with where the line is all the time as well. You know, we want to have um, kids over to play, but we want to keep them outside. Cause we, you know, we want the kids to play because we don't want them to like go a whole year with not having interaction with other kids. Um, Cause that's bad for your mental health. So where, where do you draw that line and where is it? acceptable here and not acceptable there um it's it and it's an ever moving line i feel like with with just with even with our own family because sometimes well you know this is okay but that's not okay and well then we have a debate well why was that okay and this not okay um and it's important to find those distinctions and also it also depends on the places where you live right if you live in a crowded city right there's you're, there's going to be more likely chance that you've been exposed to it because just the, the more people that are you're around the more people that are going to have it. It's just the way math works. Um, what math? Right. Where are you, Andrew Yang? 
<laughs> How dare I liked you? His hats. I did like I did like his hats. I I didn't you know I didn't love everything I, I, that Andrew Yang was saying, but I did I did like his hats. His his make America think hard. I think the math hats. It was, was it? Uh, yeah. Oh, was that what math stands for? Make America think hard. I didn't realize that I actually he made I it so. into an acronym. If I remember, I, if I remember that correctly, yeah. You know what's crazy is that um, during the debates when he was on the stage, everyone had an American flag pin. And he had a math pin, and he never got. No one ever brought that up in any. I think he maybe for conservative media, he was so low on the totem pole it wasn't even worth no one cares, trying right? to attack him. But it's like it, it, it stuck out to me like, oh, he's got the math pin. Oh, speaking speaking of American flags. I had this thought during the vice president's debates. Go back, go back a segment here, because um, I, I I always see like during during primary debates, right? There's always this stuff going around on Facebook with like how, oh look at the Democrats, they hate America, they don't have any American flags on the stage, and then you go to like the Republican debates, and there's like a zillion American flags everywhere to show how patriarchic they are, and then I was watching the VT, you know. We, we turn on the presidential debate and then the VP debate. I'm like, there's not a single American flag on the stage. This is a nonpartisan group that put this together and there's no American flag. And I'm like, where's the outrage? Where, That's something Hanka, I didn't even notice. Hanka, yeah, well, exactly. Cause it's not the, the, the stage itself, you know, it's got the constitution in the background on the text and it's got, that, it's actually. red, white, and blue, but that's the official uh, presidential debate stage. Right. But the fact that like, you know, during primaries, they always want to throw stones like, oh, look at this. And then you have the presidential debate and there's, you know, you're the president's on stage, but there's no mention about how there's no American flags. Well, that's always the knock from conservatives to yeah. um, liberals. Oh, you know, it just it kills Liber- me. Liberals hate, liberals hate America. The double standard kills me. It's like, oh, the whole stage is red, white, and blue, but because there wasn't an actual flag there, it's it's a problem. And See, I don't, and I don't get the thing it. is, liberals don't hate America. There are a lot no. of leftists. There are a lot of leftists that hate America. I like America for 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 decent reasons. Though that there are a lot of leftists that hate America, and they don't even hate America, right? They, they hate well, the systems they, within America. They hate the systems within America. They hate they hate the um, the American ideal that has just been so whitewashed over the past you know 250 years where like we don't even recognize our own history of like what we did like you know places like canada seem to do a lot better job and they have their issues as well but they seem to do a lot better job of being like you know sorry sorry indigenous people like you know sorry we murdered all of you like sorry sorry about that they seem to do a much better job of at least acknowledging that maybe not doing anything about it But that that's 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 the that's the liberal way, isn't it? Though, is to yeah. acknowledge acknowledge the things that that the mistakes that we've made in the past. Nah, we might not be able to do anything about it, but we're going to acknowledge it. Whereas, right. like leftists are like, no, we want to do something about it. We think we think that the we think there is systemic systemic change is needed. Right? Well, I mean, it's easy for me to say. Systemic, 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 systemic. Yeah. There we go. I mean, yeah. With it, when we talk about that, you know. First of all, I think about, you know, Germany does a great job about acknowledging the horrors of World War II. You know, they have placards around the entire country that, you know, show in the trashies that where, where things happen, but they don't memorialize it, but they educate. So there is there is acknowledgement of their past there. I mean, that's right. kind of Whereas conservatives would be like, why are you tearing down statues of Hitler? We need to remember our, our history. Yeah, if you tear down a statue, we're going to forget. Like, no, we're going to forget how about works. our history. That, 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 that debate is, was 
weird, man. Stat- I had people... Statues are monuments to an icon. You know, you put a statue up, you you are a... praising that person. Yes, it's a like you said, it's a monument. You're, you're right. It's a something Literally. that you're celebrating. It's called a monument for a reason, right? Right. You're celebrating it. It's not. It's not just there to be like, oh, this is our museum. <laughs> like, no, it's not. It's a statue. It's not the same. Like, but I mean, when you talk about our our past in America, and I think it it varies greatly based on where you grow up and where you go get your education from too, because, you know, growing up, um, I know in elementary school, we did, you know, in fourth grade, we did, I think from fourth grade through high school, I know learning several times about the Holocaust and all these things. We watched escape from Sobibor when I was in fourth grade, which is a very graphic movie about the Holocaust. Um, so that was ingrained in my brain very early on in fifth grade. We did it entire half the year was about uh the history of slavery in america so um things of that were definitely known and we we talked about them i do think that even still though things like the trail of tears you know it was talked about we talked about but i I just don't think um and the gravity the gravity of the situation exactly the gravity yeah even even with slavery when we learned about it i mean uh, you know you can argue like what age you want to talk about this kind of stuff i, I would argue that you want to talk about it at a very young age so people so you and repeat get, it you get the under yeah you get the understanding of it i mean people don't give little kids enough credit for like being able to understand things when you actually discuss them and talk to them right you know with them like it's it's the same argument people conservatives have about things like homosexuality how can i explain that to my kid you explain it to him so you say oh well the man this man and that loves that man gender is a social construct like if you just started out as a kid gender doesn't exist it's not it's made up (laughs) they would understand it a lot easier than these like you know these boomers sorry boomers i don't think any boomers are going to listen to this but uh but um you know what was i just to say um these boomers were like men they're trying to change what men and women are and it's like no we're what? not we're, we're acknowledging what? what's been the truth for all of history right where trans people have existed for for the, the, the entire history trans of people world. homosexuality right um i mean and there's, there's a it's scientifically known that you know some people are just born without definitive genitalia and and that, that's a whole other that's a whole other in those cases like when they're born the doctor goes which one do you want and then they they construct either a vagina or a penis. Like that's what happens. And so people might get a constructed sex organ in one way, but they identify differently because their hormones are different on the inside. Um, but because of our AB construct of society, you, you have to make a choice. Whereas like nature doesn't make that choice. It's, you know, as Jurassic Park says, nature finds a way. Nature finds a way. You know, right. you don't have to have, you know, it, nature will find a way. You take away all of one gender, nature will find a way to reproduce. It's going to happen. It's not like um, everyone just stops existing all of a sudden. There's actually, right, well, that's, oh, I forget what, what species it is. There's a species that changes gender on a regular basis. Oh, there are, there are plenty, of, I think. Yeah, where they go from producing fish. eggs or producing sperm, you know. There so. definitely, I think there are, there are definitely a, a good number of species of fish, I think, that do that. Right. But, um, but regardless, like gen- gender isn't the same as sex. And that's what I think a lot of people start fail to understand. They're, they're so, they're so hung up on this. Men have penises, females have vaginas. And that's, that, that, that's it. That they can't accept the fact that right. 
a, a, a woman can have a penis. It's, and when you, when, you, when, you, when you get past that, and it, it's, it kind of seems silly, um, but if you just get past worrying about what people's genitals are, these kind of issues just go away. There's, there's not, right. it's not an issue anymore. Um, and when you get, when you get past the fact that it doesn't affect your personal life, what that person over there does no, whatsoever is even better. It's like, you know what? You can disagree with their life choices. You can disagree. You, it can be, it can be uncomfortable. I think we talked about this last time a little bit too. You know, you can be uncomfortable with it. That's fine. Like, I, you know, you don't have to fully accept them as, you know, I don't accept every single neighbor because we don't agree on everything. It's just, reality you don't like everybody you can't accept but you believe they exist right. exactly. <laughs> you, you acknowledge I, their existence and that they they, they they exist you know what if they have to use the bathroom they can use the bathroom they can use they can use whatever like, bathroom they want exactly if i if i ever opened up any sort of retail space or restaurant or anything i would just have gender neutral bathrooms throughout because it just makes life easier you don't have to have like this is the man's bathroom and this is the female bathroom just this is the bathroom go use it it's a bathroom you know, yeah. you know, actually, um, I heard a great story recently. We, by the way, we've totally blown off following subjects that we predetermined. I know. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens in our free flowing okay. conversation. I don't care because it's, it's, this is how my brain works, anyways. Um, I teach class like this sometimes too. But we have, uh, they're, they're talking about redesigning, it, it was an engineering podcast, and they were talking about redesigning public restrooms to be gender neutral and basically having a restroom being like uh, three different areas. You know, you have your wash area, you have like your, your dressing area and you have your, uh, your, your doing your business area. And they're all in the rooms open into each other, but they're not all one big room. And, and so everything always accommodates for privacy wherever you are, but everyone is allowed in. So there is no, it's not a men's room, woman's room, cross-gender room is just a restroom in a public building that has an open door. You come in and you go through one of these three phases based on what your needs are and all every, everything is accessible for um, handicapped individuals, seeing impaired individuals, whatever gender you identify with, everything is equal and it becomes more of a communal space. Um, and, and the part of the problem that they're running into is really there are, there are statutes and states that require by law what kind of restrooms and how you put them in place. So they're actively, there's this group, um, and I wish I remember the name of the group right now. They're actively um, trying to change legis- legislation. Ugh, such hard words to say. That wasn't even that bad. I think I think oh, thank you. It. Legislation in states to uh, modify the building code so that they can start building these things. So they've designed these beautiful rest, uh, you know, these bathroom facilities, restrooms, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and they want to start putting them in places. By the way, one thing that can happen now, and I think should happen, I've heard this as well. We need music in restrooms. Yeah. You know, when you That's walk a into a restroom and it's like completely silent, but there's like four guys in there, but no one's talking and two people are taking a dump. And it's just like, that's, that's always the most uncomfortable like, can we just, thing. Isn't can we just it? get it's some like, music like, playing in here? You, you know, you have, you have to make a number two. Are we cur- should we just should we curse? I don't like I, I haven't decided. Like, we try to keep this PG, or just like, can I can I, can I say? Curse I don't know. Words? Andrew Yang curses on his podcast, so. Well, I, yeah. Well, Andrew Yang. Shit. Whatever. So, I think. Shit, you know, so here, like, here, okay. So here, no. So so when you my feeling about cursing, and you're in the bathroom alone, <laughs> like that's that's, and someone walks in, it's so uncomfortable. I don't know why. It shouldn't be right. 
No, it shouldn't be, especially if you why, have to do it too, right? I, I always say, if I know the person who's next to me based on the sneakers they wear, so like, should I say hi to them? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, so speak. I don't want to talk quick. to you about taking shit. But, okay. <laughs> right, right. But, but with cursing though, I this is my this is my viewpoint on cursing. Cursing is allowed as long as it's relevant to what you're saying. Like cursing to, for sake of cursing, like people that just like vulgar because they want to be vulgar, like vulgar oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. just calls it cursing because it's like shock value. I'm like, I, I find no interest in that. But if it's like relative, like, like how you're saying, you know, it, it's 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 a context. You know, I had a growing censored. up. I don't know. Hey, my priest growing up. He one time gave a homily. Father Maynard, God rest his soul, said, you know, shit's not a bad word. This is during a homily. He goes, shit's not a bad word. You know, if you see dog shit on the ground, it's dog shit. It's all about context of how you say it. Good for him. I was like, that is, you know, and then like, I, it's always stuck in my head. It's like, it's about context. If you say a word in context, it's a valid word. If you don't, it's, it's, then, it's then it's not valid. All right, I'm going well, back, no, no. On, I'm going I'm back on the story train here. I don't, I don't necessarily believe in curse words, but yeah, we can have a, maybe we have a whole conversation about what curse words are and like <laughs> why there's, why they're silly. I don't, I, I, I feel like I want to have a little history know. lined up. I'm going to have some facts lined up before we get to that one. That'd be <laughs> do fun. some, do some, like, do well, some, some like, work. you know, some etymology on like where the, not, no, that's wrong. Sorry. Let's study insects. Um, no, it's, yeah, etymology. No, I can't think of the study of words now. Ah, whatever. Epidemiology. There you go. Is it that? I don't know. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to change our name to the Big Word Podcast. <laughs> nice. Um, because I like I, I would be fun. Joe to have, Rogan like, doesn't use words like this on his podcast. Right. Does he? he has know. better guests though. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Well, we'll get, maybe we'll get Bernie Sanders on our podcast one day. That's right. Hey, Bernie, you want to be on a podcast? He, maybe he would. He seems like the kind of guy to be like, oh, you know, we we got we got ten listens last week. Like, do you want to be on our podcast? We're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, we, 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 uh, we're talking. If we about got Bernie Sanders, we'd have a lot more than 10 listens. I'll tell you that. That's them damn straight. Well, you know what? I think after we get a couple under our belt, we start start calling in guests and see what happens. Yeah. Because we can totally have guests on this. Yeah, so here's I mean, the listen, second. We, we just talked for an hour about, about nothing, basically. So. Uh, what is this? It's the Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> All right, so here's a, a subject that you want to talk about because it is Halloween. So let's talk about some 80s horror films. We are, we are again, of the Zennial generation. So this is when we grew up. This is our formative years of film. And, you know, honestly, I think my first idea of a horror film might have been when I saw um, the heart being taken out during Raiders of the Lost Ark. But, you know, it's not a horror film. It's still a pretty <laughs> graphic that was pretty, Yeah, that's a pretty uh, you know, terrifying like, moment for... And that, was, and, that was, and that was the 80s and that was the 80s for us wasn't it it was like there was, yeah, no, the there was no there was no holding back there was no like and i don't I know about your, I don't know about your parents but my parents were like as long if it's on tv it's on cable it's probably fine i uh, <laughs> might have been a little different my my parent my mom definitely did not want me watching mtv for the longest time really yeah uh, no i was i was not a censored child i could basically watch whatever i wanted to and and we did have like the premium uh movie channels the hbo and showtime oh, and Cinemax as well we didn't so, we had to go to my friend's house for hbo i might have had to i might have had to sneak some of those some of those uh programs that i watched but i definitely 
definitely grew up watching basically whatever I wanted. But that was, the, you know, that was the so. 80s. So if eighties horror films, what like what sticks out in your head is like the pinnacle eighties horror film. Well, the eighties was great. It's a great time for slashers, wasn't it? It was like coming out of the seventies or you know Friday the Thirteenth and um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, came Freddy, out. I think Freddy Krueger, man. That was a little bit later in the early eighties, I believe. But um, I think I just was Freddy Krueger one year for Halloween. Really? I think That's, in fourth grade. I, I, did. I, I actually, I remember having the glove for some reason. Right? Maybe I did too. I had, I definitely had the glove. Or um, I made a glove once with butter knives. <laughs> <laughs> now I had the, 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 the plastic, like, yeah. Thing. Um, and the sweater. Yeah. What, the sweater. So what's, what's your, what's your favorite horror movie, especially from the eighties? You know, I didn't want to tell you this beforehand. I actually am I like, I'm not a huge horror movie person. I, uh, I like eighties stuff. I well, more recent stuff. I should say, I don't like, it depends on the, it depends because I have this debate with my other friend all the time about horror films. I'm like, it depends on the genre of horror. Because when you talk about horror films, there's a genres within genres of horror films. So like, you know, like the first Saw movie, I love the first Saw movie. I know this is not 80s, but like the later Saw movies, just so I'm like, now you're just being ridiculous. You're just coming up with more and more ways to kill people that have no idea, no, nothing to do with like a plot. Yeah. It's like this, the plot is razor thin and, and it goes on. The plot became like, secondary. I was I was definitely more of a uh, more of a Nightmare on Elm Street guy. Yes. Um, growing up, I would say you know those. As, as I didn't watch them all, but like I, I definitely like the Freddy Krueger thing, like because you know, oh, he got burned as a child and he's all disfigured, and then he's he only haunts you in your dreams. So I was like, that's that's just a really cool concept of you know for for storytelling, like oh, don't fall asleep because then you're gonna get caught, and like then they had to figure out how in my dreams can I fight back at him and like plan how to sleep and all that stuff so it was, it was a cool concept like that well i always think horror films are interesting especially um you know i'd, I'd love to get your opinion as, as someone who who works in, in film and teaches film study um because horror movies need to be made on such a, a low budget right, right. that's the whole that's the whole model between behind horror movies is we'll make this movie for super cheap and hopefully enough people go to see it we'll, we'll, make, we'll make our money back and you know that was definitely the model behind the, the 80s slasher movies and my favorite um horror movies from the 80s especially is hellraiser oh yeah see hellraiser was good hellraiser is really good it's not it's it's, it's not a you watch the movie it's not a super like you don't see jump scares it might be like one or two but it's it's very it's 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 psychological it's it's gore it's, it has a good amount of gore in it where it's like that body horror that that's that's always interesting um but it was, it's, it's just a story that that kind of like grabs you right it's a story about this this kid whose mom turns into a killer to resurrect her uncle who they were having an affair or at least once but i mean it's that's that's a pretty neat story than the um you know just like any other horror movie this as the sequels go on it gets more ridiculous because at this point you're just like we need to make money off this thing somehow right we don't have any ideas let's just throw these people out there and like people will watch it oh yeah just keep going back to the well and see what they can do i mean you know so i think you 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 mentioned it there you hit the nail on the head that what makes a good horror movie and really what makes a good any movie is you have to have a good story at the heart of it if you don't have a good story you don't have anything um and and horror movie is really just a thriller with more gore um you know, it's, yeah, it's the context. It's, it's, you know, we got, we got someone killing you in your dreams, whatever, you know, now it's a horror movie more than just a thriller. 
So I think that's it, the, more it's you show, the more you actually show the murder. <laughs> this is what yeah. that differentiates between a thrill and a horror. Like, but I mean, like even still, you, even good horror movies don't show everything. Like, especially you know, you talk about the low budget. You have to be careful what you show and what you don't show because if you try to show everything and you can't do it based on your budget because you can't you know show that kind of scene because you can't make a convincing looking brain, then you kind of lose it. It's like and then you become cheesy. So like you got to ride that line of how much do I show and how much do I not because of where my budget is and what I can physically do on screen. And you talk about the eighties, you know, that's all practical effects. There's no, there's no CGI. And and they're so much better. Well, I, I totally, I don't think anyone anyone can argue like how much better the practical effects were than, than the CGI. And then when it got to the point where it was like, it was, it was just easier to do CGI and not, it wasn't as cost prohibitive. Right. And then you got bad CGI, which made it even, worse <laughs> See, that's the problem you get then you get bad cgi you go backwards in technology and, and it's just you know good cgi is good and I, it has a place you know sci-fi films definitely benefit from cgi for their space battles and all those things although i still i still appreciate the marvel effects. movies now you couldn't have marvel movies oh yeah it's stuff like that CGI. definitely you know lord of the rings was probably the pinnacle of the start of the good cgi movement as far as that goes but i mean going back to horror films you know i think about going before the 80s now you know things like psycho you don't see the murder happen you see the knife you see the woman you hear the scream and then you see the knife hitting the shadow you don't see the actual murder you don't need to actually show everything for it well, to be hit- awesome that was hitchcock oh yeah that was the, you know <laughs> obviously what was, the, what was the line about suspense and hitchcock about like about the bomb oh it's a it's, you know it's it's about building suspense through imagery. You know, you show you show a briefcase with a bomb, and then you show a clock, and then you show a person, and then you go back to the briefcase, and you go back to the clock. And if you keep cutting these back in a certain rhythm, you create the suspense of, oh, this person's near that bomb that's going to go off. They don't have to physically be anywhere near each other, but because you're showing them sequence to each other, you know, you're showing a bomb with a clock with a person. You see these things. Same thing. The other example was if you show, you know, you show a, a baby, and then you show um uh, uh i forgot the oh i forgot the baby example i'm thinking of, there's another example it's like if you show a picture of a oh, oh man now i can't think of the examples this is more of like a, you go back to like the russian filmmaking where if you show one picture and then you show you know you you show a picture of like a cereal bowl right and then you put, go to a person's face now there's the same person every time you know you ask what is the person thinking oh they're hungry now you show a picture of a woman lying on a bed. You go back to the same person's face. What was this person person thinking? Lust. The person's face never exchanged, but because of the image you saw beforehand, you infer what they're thinking. You're changing, you're changing the context. Yes. Yeah. And that, that goes back to the, the Russian montage um, scenario that predates Hitchcock, which is where he gets his ideas from. So, um, and then which brings us to horror film. You, know, you show things in sequence and it creates an image in our head of what's going to happen. Um, and that creates even more suspense in it. You know, so, it, you know, I think this is, and I, I will defend this as a horror thriller film, even though it's a sci-fi alien. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, that's a horror movie. And that's, and that's probably where I gravitate more towards. Cause like, I'm a big sci-fi fan and now you have a horror element in sci-fi. You have an alien running around the ship, killing people off one by one. That's, that's where yeah, I'm at. Aliens was, aliens is essentially a, a slasher flick, but because it was a, because it had such a sci-fi uh, background it got labeled as a, a sci-fi thriller or whatever but he now that's a different one though he had the budget um yeah that, too. <laughs> that helps you know so 
he has a budget to make it. Um, but interesting story about that, you know, so they, they built this whole set, you know, beautiful set designers make all this stuff, but then he dimly lights everything. And I, I forget if it was the producer or somebody else was like, what are you doing? We made this set and you can't see it all. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's I like, think I've heard that actually. I think it's I like, it's supposed things. to be, it's a spaceship. You don't like, you know, it's not a Kubrick film. It is. Right. A, it's a horror film. So total, well, I mean, 2001 space odyssey I, i'd claim that as a horror film too that's, that's know, was that take. the 80s that was before 80s though sorry that's, that that's was definitely 80s. before 80s but that's, 70s. Still hot, that's still a hot take because that's that predates star wars 2001 is a horror film yeah well i mean it, again you have it's a, definitely uh, you, suspenseful yeah well you have a um antagonist that's killing off the crew one by one I mean, that's, that's kind of like yeah. every single horror film. Well, you know, every, every slasher film you have, Chainsaw Massacre, whatever it is, they're killing off everyone one by one in a different situation. Yeah. Right. So, it's, just, yeah. It's, it's just, it becomes a sci-fi film because of location. Right. 2001's a horror film. All right. You know, yeah. I think that's... That's a hot take. That's it's my hot take. That's, that's, that's a it's key hot take. I like it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the, the ultimate low-budget horror movie. That's Evil Dead. Um. Well, in the 80s, I what guess. Do, yeah. what, do you know, what do you know about that? I, oh, that's Evil so, Dead. I mean, it's so it's so bad. It's great. It, yeah, it is. But it's also great. It's so bad. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, they, it's, Brian that's a, Campbell, that's a movie. Bruce Campbell that's a, is amazing. Campbell. But that's a movie you watch and you just think like you, you can see the limitations that they had and you see how they worked around them. And you can you can literally just watch the movie and kind of get a feel for how the movie was made as well as like enjoying the movie, which I right. think is really interesting and I, and i think what makes also that a success is you know first of all bruce campbell himself um but when you lean into it you know so if you have a limitation on budget and you're you know it's going to be somewhat cheesy if you lean into that it makes it better like if you try to make like you have a limitation budget budget and your props are going to look cheesy but we're going to try to make it serious that's where i think you would so fail it all right so you're right it almost leans into that that parody um Right. Angle, right. It's almost it's almost a parody where it's it's not, but it's the fact that you had to take these almost like all these tropes and shove them into a movie. Yeah, it's the same way Adam West leaned into <coughs> the uh cut that out. Jeez. Sorry. I need <laughs> a cough right. button. Um it's the same way Adam West leaned into the Batman role in the Batman TV series because it was a very campy series. He's like, Well, if it's gonna be campy, let's make it campy. Super campy. And, and it works that way because they decide to lean into it. So with Bruce Campbell and the evil dead series, because they leaned into it, like, let's, okay, let's just go for cheese. It, it, it works. And it, and I love the fact that because of that, Bruce Campbell becomes like the B star that like in the backgrounds of movies, when they're showing a B movie, it's just like Bruce Campbell doing something on the TV. Always. Always and it's just like, it's, right. like, it's so great. It's like, Hey, well, I think, Bruce. I think Sam Raimi just inspired so many directors that like to like to, to, to pay homage to him. It's like, that's what you do, right? You put, you put your favorite director's movie in the background of your movie. That's, that's but it wasn't even, it wouldn't even be that movie though. It like, it would just be Bruce Campbell. They would just, oh, just film Bruce Campbell doing something random, but because you saw Bruce Campbell on the TV in some sort of context, you just knew it was like some B movie. <laughs> so they wouldn't have to pay for the rights for the movie. They would just hire Bruce Campbell to film for a day. So you're saying something. not even not even like showing like clips of the Evil Dead or like no it would just be Bruce just Campbell like, get like, Bruce Campbell close to, up of Bruce to be, Campbell to be in a background of a movie <laughs> yes just because it's like you know who that is so that's because everyone knows because you know who it is it's it's 
He's probably the biggest B-list star there is. I yes, I can't. He should be. He should be A-list. Actually, did you watch? Did you watch the TV series when it came out two years ago? I watched some of it. Um, I I started watching. I never finished it. Yeah, I think I watched the maybe the first season. It's like you can only take so the so second far, season. I might have, I might have caught the, I might have caught it in the second. I don't really remember exactly what I did watch a, a bunch of episodes. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a cool show. I thought it, I thought it was really well done. I thought yeah. it was like a, enough fan service to be like this, you know remember this this is interesting. It was so a great I'm, continuation. I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like meta comedy and like that's why like I like community so much. Um, oh man, because it's that's just it's just. I like the I like to that's why I'm a big Deadpool fan as well. Like I like to just to explore the the tropes of genres and like parody well, them and and kind of just. I think that goes back to our generation. Like it's just like our generation is we're so media media aware. I would say we you know pop culture aware that when right, we have well, those references, we, it just falls it, it it calls to us. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we grew up with um, the explosion of cable and. The explosion of media, and we got to we got to see as young adults the with how the internet affected media and what like I don't know if anyone could have predicted like what media looks like now um, 20, 20, 30 years ago. No, especially with the explosion of like YouTube and like all these all these YouTube stars. Um, oh, like, the, I, the I, influencers I, on the Instagram. Influencers. I don't like I don't like that term influence. It's a weird term. But um, I do like like I do watch a lot of YouTube. Like, um, oh, I don't I, really watch. I don't watch a ton of TV anymore. I I I go and watch YouTube channels and about like about film reviews and about. I um, I have YouTube clips that I show my classes for things because, you know, sometimes they you know these people do such a great job on them. Like this is going to be part of my class now. Um, it's I mean it should be. I I mean I'm surprised there aren't like there probably are somewhere but i'm surprised there aren't more like youtube classes like how to make youtube videos and so there's actually well first of all there's a series i i will promote at any moment i can um so pbs in conjunction with um why well, i can't think of the name of it i hate when this happens um the spot it is it is it is gonna make me open up youtube <laughs> Time out, internet. Come to my, come to my savior. That's, care great. I, that's why you don't have to remember anything anymore. Either. Oh, Crash Course. That's what it's called. Crash Course. Crash Course is a whole a YouTube channel made in conjunction with PBS, and they have different topics. So we use, I use the history of film one in class because they have like a 10, 12 part series on the history of film, and they're all ten minute episodes. They're hit, boom, they're fast. Um, you have to actually pause them sometimes to read everything. Uh, I watched, it was a 40 part series on the history of the world. And they made another 40 part series on it again. Like there was another series they made, but they have the history of the U S they have um, uh, science, chemistry, media literacy. Um, there's a slew of topics that they have and there's different people for all the different topics. So that's, and, but they're, but they're all, you know, they're all fact-based. They're all heavily researched and, and they're enjoyable to watch. So um I really, I really enjoy crash course as like, if you want to learn something and want to learn a topic is it's in their bite size. So like you can watch it while eating lunch and then move on with your day and go do something else. Cool. All right. I'll have to check that out. Crash so crash course on YouTube. Um, 
that's the thing too is like you <laughs> that's the thing too and like it's we, again getting way off topic here but this is what we do it's too late um that's the nice thing about youtube is that you there, there are a lot of like bite-sized clips right i mean so the downside like, to youtube though is the algorithm there's a whole well, this, I mean, this is a topic we should save for another day but just to make your reach out there right let's let's yeah let's hold that up but yeah just i mean yeah. anytime getting getting get getting reach out and you know kind of promoting yourself and that's right. that's a that's a whole that's a whole different world than actually producing the videos um so my last topic i, I i'm gonna spring this one on you this is my we're gonna end i think every week we should end with a wrestling topic okay because i think it's just fun bring it back to things we know bring it back to wrestling enjoy. bring it back to wrestling every time i even close i even called the ending the finisher so Ah, on my notes this, i call it the finish this is the finish you gotta have it's a like, go home go home <laughs> this, is the, this is the finisher um hey yeah we gotta get some sound effects or something um but this is my because I, I i i don't know if you watched AEW this week but i did um what is your opinion as especially as a wrestling insider i'll call you even i'm a wrestling um, influencer you, you, are, you are no you're an insider i mean i am an insider technically. you 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 work on the amateur ring so you know independent independent sorry independent not amateur that's a whole other kind of wrestling independent circuit you are on the independent circuit i actually do get paid you get paid so you is might um, not be too much but it is is, i do get paid so we we mentioned about how last week about how things that happen in attitude era cannot happen these days my question because we know so much more than we used to in the past what's your take on blood in wrestling these days i know that's a big one huh it is a big one um because i <laughs> i like i i think it adds to to a match i think it got overused um in the late 90s you know in the attitude area especially the ecw crowd because um, mm-hmm. if you see it every night it's not that big of a deal i think back in the back in back in the day in this you know 70s and 80s when it was used it was used for dramatic effect it was used to show something like really serious happened whereas you know it got started to get used just because it, it, it looked cool right it was a cool visual right. um the crimson mask it, it's not it's not necessary i think you know you have to worry about is there a you know a the risk of contagions is, you know, are you, are you worried about getting a disease from, from a bloody wrestler? Um, well, I mean, I've, I think, I've always weird, I think it's a weird look when, and I think it's a weird look when the referees put gloves on when someone starts bleeding for real in wrestling now. Um, that's something WWE started doing. Right. And I, and I understand it, but. AEW does um, it as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, it probably has to do with like, you know, OSHA honest with you um mm. <laughs> there's probably some work well i mean you it's because you see it in uh, M- mma they always have the gloves on they always have the gloves on right so that's my point um now here's my not, question though why not, always, the, why, not, why not always wear the gloves right not, why not right because well, you're you gonna know. just put them on when someone bleeds because it, it, it's just a weird look I, I don't like it i would either say don't put the gloves on or just always wear the gloves right um well here so i don't know this because I know from the MMA standpoint, like even on the the amateur circuit of MMA, like you have to submit a blood test beforehand to show that you don't have HIV or things like that. Is that do you do? Does do wrestlers no. even on the independent circuit do the same thing? No. See that no, that a... that for me is cause for concern. Like, because if you're gonna spill blood with someone in the ring and you don't know 
if they have you know, a disease. You have to, right. You have to, there's, there's a, there's a trust. There's a trust I mean, maybe there, in right? WWE they do. I don't know, you know, in the, the they, bigger I mean, companies. I, that's a good question. I don't even know if they do in the WWE or not. Um, cause they're all independent contractors technically. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to have to trust the person. This is, yeah. it's, like have, it's like basically having unprotected sex with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, a certain, to a certain to a certain extent yeah I'm not um, getting someone pregnant obviously but <laughs> but no to a certain extent yeah i guess i guess you're right um so yeah but no it's you know it's not like we have to mandate you know blood tests or anything you just kind of hope that the, the person's safe and, and doesn't right. isn't carrying any diseases and if they would they would disclose that to you and, and i hope so and, you know, not not believe in the ring um i mean i mean for my take on it um I've definitely changed over the years where now, especially cause we're so aware of things these days, like the, like anytime I see someone blading, I'm like, come on, really blade now still like, well, that's, that's the thing, right? Is it, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Like, if you get busted it... open during the match, you know, if you get busted open the hard way, as they say, fine, it's part of the match. You got busted open. You, you took a bump bad off the ring post or something. And now you're bleeding. I'm, I'm yeah, cool with that. And it yeah. happens. It happens a lot. Just, you, know. you know, and as long as you can, you know, and the thing is, as, as especially as wrestling fans know, if you cut your forehead, you're going to bleed a lot and there's no, and it just looks bad, but it doesn't, well, that's why you do it. And it's, but it's no, <laughs> there's no health concerns with that. Cause it's just the forehead. But right? another, another trick is to take an aspirin before or have no, to thin the blood out, thin the blood out a little bit. So you bleed, so you bleed more. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a visual, right. Um, is it, is it necessarily like I've, I've had people in the Indies, you know, want to bleed in their matches um it doesn't happen as much anymore obviously but i remember a few years back there was a guy and he basically was like you know this is something i always wanted to try so i'm, I'm gonna do it like he had a, it was a big match of his coming up um and yeah i think it was a, a blow off for a big feud or something and he was like you know i've always wanted to do it so i just want to try it so i'm just gonna do it and i'm like are you sure? <laughs> you really, it's really not necessary. Like you don't need to say, no, I really, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, it, it's kind of like a wrestling, like, um, badge of honor, right? Like, I, I guess I, so. Yeah. I, I gave, like, I bled, I gave it. And then I, as a referee, I, I always hated carrying around the, the blades for him. That always made me feel uncomfortable. Right. Um, cause usually I'd have to like put it to take, cut up razor in my pocket or something like that and try and pass it off to him. Um, oh. And that, I always felt kind of like that was on me now. I was like, if I lost it, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I never now, did. Now I'm responsible like, for the prop. Or like passing it around, making that making that look convincing. You know, right. you know that's that's always a trick. That's a that's another magic trick. But um, I, I suppose also because being on the indie circuit, it's not like you got cameras. You know, it's not like TV where everyone's looking at the hard camera or whatever. You know, you can cut away and not see what the ref's doing for a second being on an indie circuit where there's everyone's just round the ring closer and looking at everything. It's hard to yeah, that probably makes it do that slight of hand. easier though. Cause you can like, um, you know, there's ways to distract people and do it. Yeah. Somebody else is distracted. Cause if you, if you notice, um, obviously in, in the olden days when they used to cut themselves, um, the olden days. you know, you would do it after a big bump. And then after the big bump, you know, the, your opponent would distract the crowd while you're doing it. Right. manager would distract the crowd while something's going on so because usually there's baby face getting blood right because you know why would you feel sympathy for the heel right <laughs> so you know big big bump happens blah, good, blah, good and, point and on the, that one and then the heel can do his or her thing or the you know their thing showing let's off see, to the crowd get the get the crowd's focus on them so then 
you can take care of your business. We'll use neutral pronouns. We'll just call them their, their crap. Them, their, their. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, that's an important, that's an important thing is gen, like I'm big on gender as a social, gender as a social construct. Like um, <laughs> I'm, I'm big on that. It's, it's, it, we gotta, we gotta start thinking about gender differently. It's, but that's getting off topic again. We well, go back in to that, that case, topic. well, you know what? We'll save that for next week. Cause then we'll just talk about sunny kiss for an hour. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, not for an hour. I'll, I'll use, we can use that as a segment because. Well, we um, might have a debate to talk about. I was hoping we'd have another debate to talk about. Well, we Donald can have Trump. a town hall meeting though. Cause be, Biden, Biden said he'll have a town hall, even if there's no debate and it's already set up. ABC so, said they'll do it. So yeah. So we'll have you something know. to talk. We'll always so, have something to talk about. This is going to be an interesting month. Um, oh my God. It's, Hopefully we make it to December <laughs> as a country. Well, as, as a world. Yeah. But. Well, I think, I think that's a good spot. I mean, I, I'm glad. Thanks for your intakes on the intakes inputs on the blood and wrestling. I was curious about that. Cause and it just came up in my head the other day. Cause I was, like I said, I was watching this week's AEW and they had a dog collar match, which I was like, really, we're doing this. Do we need to? Gimmicks. Gimmicks. I know. Gimmicks. Something to, something to do. And they both were bloody something, as hell. Something and different. Like, uh, What's the thing? Like, I think you know they're trying to bring back a little of that old school mentality. That they are. Like, but they, but they too. You, like you said, you use it, you use it to get something over, right? You use it to make make it make it special, make it important. It was for their TV tam- championship. Yeah. Come on. Well, yeah, I know that might be important to them. I. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you think about the iconic um, Stone Cold and and the Sharpshooter bleeding like blood passing out. Face. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that that kind of led to that. So you, you use it like that in a story and it looks dramatic and it's, it's effective. I just think it got to the point where everyone was just doing it to do it and right. it kind of took away from the importance of it. So, and like you said, there's definitely concerns about, you know, blood, bloodborne pathogens and diseases. So that, that was a, that was a big issue. Um, so that's one of the reasons they got rid of it and people can, we'll live without it. I mean, it's not like, yeah. it's not like something that's necessary for wrestling to, to exist. Well, and I mean, the WWE got rid of it for a while because, you know, they wanted to be the PG rating. So they had to get rid of it because Linda was running for office. Well, that was another, yeah, that was a little big yeah. thing where they, where they went to the more family friendly that, that, and let's be honest, it's, a, it's an economic decision as well. Like, oh yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot easier to get sponsors when you're, when you're, Working, family friendly working, when you're family friendly and you're, you're you're advertising to kids instead of uh teenagers you know it, it doesn't hurt uh, that you're um you know triple h and stephanie had a kid at the time too you know so right i mean you just look at the sponsors that the that the wwef had during the attitude era like it was what stridex pads and Motorola, slim gym basically every week Slim <laughs> sense of course well always the slim chips gotta and slim subway chips. subway has been a sponsor for a long time eat fresh have they i don't know i feel like they've always been a sponsor you know, snickers it's been there i think subway just sponsors everything i think these are just, they just oh, yeah the child pedophile oh i mean <laughs> hey, Jared. Poor Jared. Oh, Jared. I, I can we can, that's another subject hey. i can i spent a day in new york with jared once so i can talk about that another time oh no way you met you yeah. met jared the I worked for I worked for Subway headquarters for a very short time, and we we had a day in New York. That's a whole other. Well, let's save that's that. A, that's a, yeah, that's saving that for another. Yeah, we're saving that. Topic. We'll save that, Jim. Um, I just think with, I with think Jared. I can freely talk about that now because he's in trouble and they no longer pay him and money. So yes, no, you can talk. talk. Oh, was, he, was was oh yeah. Let's. Oh uh, no, I, I never signed anything, but I just felt like. Uh, no, 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 I, 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 I just felt like it was the, it would not be the right thing for me to do to like 
and talk about him at the time, even though I wasn't working for them anymore. Just, you know, it was his right thing to do. Now he's a jerk. Was, and yeah. He, it's open game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when, it's it's dirt, hunting season. That's a great episode. The dirt on Jared. Well, yes. I think this is a good time to end it. I want to thank everyone for listening this week. Um, if you yeah, like what you enough. hear, please tell a friend, write a comment, give us a rating, post it on the social medias. It will help Share us it. out to get the word out there um, and, and talk about our ideas. And, and please, if you have ideas and comments for future episodes, drop us an email at gzennial at gmail.com. That's gzennial at gmail.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, thanks for listening. All right, thanks, guys. Take care.